What's up, skeptics? Welcome to another episode of Reason to Doubt, your source for all things skeptical. I'm Jordan. With me is Jared. And today we're going to be talking about the question. The question that stops Christians in it, in their tracks. Christians do not like getting asked this question yeah. whatsoever. Number four will surprise you. <laughs> <laughs> Was this just the one question though, right? Really, it is just the one question. question. Okay, yeah. Okay. So, but I have a question for you before we get into it, Jared. Don't you hate it? When someone like comes along, you're engaging in a conversation with them and they ask you a question about something you believe in. I absolutely hate that because then I have to justify my position and I have to give an answer and it really just bothers me. So, Well, wouldn't it be better if there was a script you could follow that would allow you to avoid answering the question and kind of manipulate the conversation in such a way to make you look better? I mean, I would appreciate that because I really hate answering questions and justifying the things that I believe in. So, oh. Well, don't worry. Greg Kokel with Stand to Reason has heard your plea, and he is here to help. <laughs> so yeah. Greg is a Christian apologist, and today we're going to be answering or commenting on a video of his. He put it out six years ago, so it's a little old, but it's been seen by over two and a half million people at time of recording. The video is called The Question That Stops Christians in Their Tracks. So what question is Greg talking about? We'll let, we will let Greg tell you. In your conversations with other people about uh, Christ and, and Christianity and the real important things, um, you are going to encounter what I call the question. That is the, the question that stops most Christians in their tracks and they don't really quite know how to deal with it. And the question was posed to me in a hour-long TV debate that I had with Deepak Chopra, the New Age guru, as we talked about spiritual things. And what he said to me is, so you're saying that anyone who doesn't believe just like you is going to hell? Well, I mean, that is a question, and I think it's a fair question. So Seems pretty fair to me. And uh, I can understand why that might make someone uncomfortable now. Uh, Greg is going to spend this entire video talking about how to deal with this question. And the reason we decided we're going to respond to this is because we think his advice is really bad. Not bad just because it's dishonest and manipulative, but also because it I don't think it'll be very effective at like actually helping the Christian deal with the question. Mm -hmm. So it's just bad all around. Before we jump in, though, I do want to make clear that we're not directing this at like every Christian not every Christian believes in eternal conscious torment. Not every Christian believes that non-Christians go to hell, for example. Some Christians believe that they're merely destroyed, which, I mean, I guess that beats being tortured forever. Yeah. Uh, some some, think some Christians are happy. Yeah, some yeah. Christians are happy just telling you you're going to hell. So they're, yeah. they're not afraid of this at all. <laughs> and also, yeah, it also would not apply to them. So uh, don't want to lump a huge religious tradition into a single spot there. But for Greg, today, we're going to be talking about why his answer is terrible. So let's move on in with his advice to Christians when they're asked the question. And the problem here is that this was a question about the exclusivity of Christ, a critical issue in Christianity, but it was put in a way that made me look really, really bad. 
But guys, he made me look bad. <laughs> if I answer this question the way I believe, it's going to make me look so bad. And I don't want to do that. Like, right. I mean, oh I gosh. would answer honestly, but then I'd look like an idiot. <laughs> what a low down, dirty trick to just yeah. ask Greg about the things he believes in. Right. <laughs> right. But the other thing, too, is like the fact that he admits that by answering this question, honestly, that makes him look bad. Like, hello. Like, maybe, maybe it should be a red flag. But let's see what he did, how he answered yeah. this. So if I would have answered the question, yes. Unless you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, then you will die in your sins, you will go to hell. I would have answered correctly, but I would have really given the wrong impression. I would have fulfilled a really negative stereotype uh, that people have of Christians, and I would have played right into Deepak Chopra's rhetorical hand, and I did not want to do that. And so in that particular circumstance, I sidestepped the issue and I went in a, a different direction. So he would have given the audience the wrong impression. I'm hearing he would have given them the accurate impression because it sounds like he's saying the honest answer to that question is, yes, that is what yeah. I think. <laughs> well, it's also interesting, too, that he's pointing out that there's a stereotype uh, that Christians have that tell people they're going to burn in hell forever, which some also Christians great. do. Yeah, now, so. I, I will say I did find the interview where this exchange happened. And I actually think that Greg does answer the question a little bit better than he even gives himself credit for here. Mm -hmm. um, so let's play that real quick. Just here's the exchange that he's referencing. It's from a few years back. What about people who are not Christians? What about them? Are they damned to go to hell forever? Well, the answer to this is very simple in a broad sense. I mentioned earlier that reality has a way of bruising people who don't take it seriously. Whether I'm right or whether you're right in our, in, in our respective views, there are consequences to people who get it wrong. If you're right and I get it wrong, I'm going to be hurt by that, Dr. Chopra. If I'm right and you get it wrong and others get it wrong, then they can be hurt by it as well. I'm just simply saying there are consequences. If what Jesus said is right, then there are serious consequences for unbelief because everybody will stand before God and give an account for their life and be properly tried for the crimes that they committed against God. Now, maybe Jesus is wrong. Maybe you're right. But if you're right, I'm going to miss out. There are consequences for getting the truth wrong. And this is why I'm emphasizing we have to be very careful about the truth issue. So every worldview has a consequence. And there's consequences of your worldview. There's consequences of my worldview. And there are just consequences. So... It's, yeah, it's just a consequence. What consequence, yeah. Greg? Uh, consequences, you know. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so he, he answers does, the question, right? Yeah. He does. But what he's trying to do is avoid saying, yes, you, you specifically, person who is speaking to me, you are going to hell because yeah. you don't agree with me. Which Greg says that's actually the honest answer, right? And it says something that he seems to be reluctant to give an honest answer to his beliefs because... You know, it'll give a bad impression. I don't know. Whatever. Not great, right? Uh, but to be fair, the next thing Greg says is he, uh, you can't always sidestep the issue. I would say you probably shouldn't sidestep the issue. And he recommends using the Columbo tactic. And that's uh, mm. where you ask questions to make points. So this is kind of like the Socratic method, right? And the Socratic method is a meth method of like rhetoric and discussion where you use probing questions to further the conversation and kind of to drive co cooperative dialogue, right? Yep. 
So the Colombo tactic is like that, except if you were less interested in having a conversation and more interested in following a script that the other person won't deviate from. Yeah. And also getting them to a point where you want them to end up. Right. Right. So if you are not at all interested in what the other person has to say, then go with Columbo. So if, if you want to find truth, go with the Socratic method. Right. Uh, so the story to set this up and I'm skipping a little bit, but the score, the story is that Greg allegedly had an interaction with a Jewish man in a Barnes and Noble and who asked him a similar question, then he employed this tactic. So here's how it went. I have a choice at this point. I could go ahead and state my steps as part of my argument, put my pieces on the table, so to speak, and then come to a conclusion, which leaves me with a certain liability. Every time I make a claim that is a stepping stone to my conclusion, the other person, especially if they're a little bit belligerent, can just deny the claim. And now I get nowhere. So instead, I am going to use questions to, to get those pieces placed on the table by the other person. Because if they put those pieces on the table, it's a lot harder for them to take them off, to deny them, okay? Hmm. Okay, so... So, there are portions of this that aren't terrible, right? Like, there's nothing wrong with using questions to kind of probe what your interlocutor thinks to kind of find areas of agreement or disagreement. For example, if you have a point of agreement, something you you both agree is true or right, you don't need to spend time hashing that out. So it can be useful to ask questions like that. Do you agree with this? Do you think that this is true? Uh, Do you uh, just these sort of questions? But the difference is the motive. Yeah. So it's clear what his motive is here, right? Definitely clear. I mean, he states he does not want to make a claim because then he would have to, one, support that claim, but two, he would have to address any objections to that claim. And he just wants to skip that part. He wants to go right to right. the end. He wants so. to skip the, uh, the uh, what's it called, the, the, the conversation part, the part yeah. where you like engage with the other person as a human being. You know, that part's, that part's lame. We're not going to do that part. Right. So <laughs> no, instead, what he wants to do is further his script. He doesn't want to have to deal with these objections. He wants the other guy. So it's not so much that he's asking questions to make points. That's totally fine. It's the kind of slimy like goals that he it's, has. Yeah, it's very like used car salesman sleazeball kind of tactics. Like it, it really is. Yeah, it's very much like I have a set pitch and I want to stick to this pitch. But anyway, let's let's move on to the first question. Let's <laughs> let's try, try to try to muscle through this. <laughs> Here was the first question I asked. Do you think that people who commit moral crimes ought to be punished. In other words, the people who do bad things, should they pay for them? And he said, well, since I'm a a prosecuting attorney, yeah, I got lucky on the attorney part, you know. But most people have this sense, this deep intuition, that people who do wrong things should not get away with them, okay? So real quick, before we jump into the question, though, I always find it curious and little bells going off in my head. Anytime an apologist gives an example of talking with somebody, I just assume that they're making that bull crap up. Because what are the chances he was talking to a prosecuting attorney in a Barnes and Noble about this, you know? I like, yeah. Any individual story I guess could be true, but you every single time there's a there's a person who just happens to be the exact person they right. need to tell this to I, I yeah. don't know. Like, Anyways. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter. No. But uh here's so this I think Right up front, we can see the shortcoming of this approach because he 
his imaginary or non-imaginary interlocutor said, yes, I totally agree with you that punishment is the point. People who do wrong things should be punished. If I were answering that question, I'd say, no, no, I don't think so. I don't think that punishment is the point. I think I think retributive justice, it just furthers the problem. And while it may in some cases be better than nothing, it is certainly not the ideal. And it shouldn't be how we set up like a perfect being wouldn't set up a retributive system. I don't think I don't I don't think the focus on getting away with it is the point. It should be about enhancing well-being and making sure people are better off. Yeah, and there's a lot of studies on this too, on punitive uh, measures and stuff, and how it's not actually in- impactful on changing, you know, reforms and stuff. So, um, but the thing but, is, like, if you're the Christian listening to this, and I give you that answer, well, well, what now? What do you do? Oh, wait, but my script says you're going to say yes. That you exactly. But, ah, brain fried. Oh, like, no, and then you're going to have to like. I don't know. Either you're completely now you're back to square one with not knowing how to answer the question. <laughs> That's when you pause. I need to phone a friend. Um, right. Greg, he didn't answer right. yes. <laughs> or you try to manipulate it to get. I, I've seen right. both where the person kind yeah. of panics, and I've also seen where they clearly like are trying to force you to to concede the thing. Um, and so that that's the problem with this kind of very pithy surface level. Not even calling it surface level feels like not enough. It's not any kind of deep understanding. Whereas what Greg ought to be doing is explaining, okay, here is what you and I as believers think. Here is why. Here are some reasons. Here are some objections you might hear to it. Here's how we might answer those objections. Here's how you can think of it. Like actually fostering understanding. That would allow someone to have, one, a better informed opinion about the thing it is that they believe, and also to be better equipped to answer these questions when the other person isn't just going to parrot back the talking points that you want. Yeah, I mean, and it goes back to that first point, like, He's obviously not wanting to have a conversation here. He doesn't care what the other person thinks or what they actually believe. It's just, let's get to my conclusion. So, But um, let's say that we answered as the Jewish man did and move right along to question number two. Second question. Have you ever done any wrong things? That's personal, right? What do you think he said? He said, yeah, I guess I have. If he If he would... Said he didn't do any bad things. I want to talk to his wife, you know? So this is one of those questions that when you hear it, if, if I get posed a question like this, I immediately, I'm reluctant to answer only because I know this is a trap. It's not because, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, of course I've done things that I think are wrong. Of course I've, like, I'm not a perfect person, right? Have I ever done a bad thing? Of course I've done a bad thing, you know? But I know that equivocation is, is like I can see the equivocation rounds you know, already <laughs> in the air, yeah. right? Because Greg is just, have you done a bad thing? He hasn't asked, like, we haven't talked anything about, like, what is a bad thing? You know, what do you mean when you say bad thing? Right. How bad are we talking about? Should should all be bad things be punished? Like, we've agreed that people who do bad things should be punished at this point, hypothetically, right? But should all bad things be punished? Should they all be punished the same way? These are all important con- things to consider, but Greg's question is blowing right by it, right? Well, and- the other thing, too, is this is like Ray Comfort level banana man apologetics on the street. This is exactly what Ray Very Comfort much. does. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and uh, it leaves a huge amount of ambiguity that don't worry, I'm certain that Greg would never take advantage of ambiguity in order to further his own goals. That's not going to happen. Now, do I need to tell this man he's a sinner? No. He just told me. Do I need to tell him that he's under judgment? No. He just told me. 
Whoa, 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 Greg. Who said anything about sin? I didn't say, did you say sin? I didn't say sin. <laughs> we didn't talk about judgment either. Like, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Like, I said, you asked me if I've done bad things. I said, yes, I've done bad things. I said, oh, you're a sinner. <laughs> I never said that. <laughs> First of all, what is sin? What does it right. mean to sin? Like, you know. So this is the equivocation fallacy. I mean, it's not even really equivocation, honestly, because he's not even he's just using a different word. Usually equivocation is where you use the same word in a different way. He just used a straight up different word. Yeah. So I understand from Greg's point of view, bad things are sins. Like if you're doing something wrong, it means you're sinning. But from my point of view and the point of view of most people that you're going to be talking about, if you, meaning you, the Christian, they may not even agree that sin exists. Like, right. in this case, Greg was allegedly talking to a Jewish person, so they would agree with kind of the baseline idea that there are sins, but I wouldn't agree to that. You know, I don't agree that that I've sinned, because I don't think sin is possible. I don't think sin, I don't think sin is a thing that exists. Right. Well, uh, that's just another downfall of this tactic, right? And if... Yeah. If Greg were ever to have a conversation, and this is why this is bad advice, right? Because if this conversation were to ever happen to a real person, <laughs> this is how it would go. Right. You, know? it, it, you wouldn't get past you, you, every single question. <laughs> you, you'd have to stop and like be yeah. you know, set up to answer these other objections, which he's not setting them up to do. But well, let's, let, it, let's, see okay. what it, let's see what happens. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. He's, he's going to recover it. It's, it's going to be fine. It's gonna, gonna, we're going to end up somewhere great. Explained. It's as if the judge is about to lower the gavel on the two of us in the dock, and we both know we're guilty, and we both know we deserve what we're going to get. And then the judge pauses and says, by the way, are either of you guys interested in a pardon at this point? Well, I mean, at this point, we're given that we're guilty, and we both know we need to be judged. I mean, we, we just know that, right? So... I guess, I mean, query whether we've agreed on what the punishment should be or why this person is worthy to judge us or whatever, or like what punishment is being hit. Like there's still a lot of open questions, right? But I mean, I guess if you're just going to hand me a part and say whatever it is that I did, whatever, it's just no strings attached. Here you go. You're free to go. Like, I mean, yeah, sure. That's a great yeah. deal, right? <laughs> Take yeah. the deal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like um, a good deal I'm getting. I, I guess we no strings attached, right? This yeah. like this is it, like free and clear. So. <laughs> and then I explained in very simple terms about substitutionary atonement, that the judge took off his robe and got in the dock, and took the punishment for us so that we could be set free. Holy forking shirt balls! What I thought we were talking about justice. What what the heck is this? And simple terms like substitutionary atonement, the normal person's going to understand that, right? Like <laughs> just real simple terms. I, I don't know about you. I think that if like I'm someone's guilty, and the judge is like, "Don't worry, I've got it," and he like steps down and gets whipped for it. Was that justice? No, that wasn't justice. Or like even worse, like because it may not be the judge. Like, oh, it's okay. You did it. Don't worry. I'm gonna grab some innocent person who didn't do a darn thing wrong, and they're gonna get punished. What insanity is this? This is and that would make me feel so much worse. By the way, like, yeah, yeah. This is 
nuts. This is just just crazy town. Wouldn't it be better if nobody got punished? That's how pardons usually work, right? The governor doesn't give a pardon and say, oh, you're not going to get executed. Don't worry. I shot Sam on the way into work today. So you're good to go. You're, you're good to go, man. Like, oh yeah. my gosh. It's not like uh. if, if someone has wronged me, you know, and, and also who is the judge to be like, handing out this forgiveness because like what about the actual wronged party if we're worried about retributive justice shouldn't they be a part of this conversation but like aside from that it's like the judge or if i offered to forgive somebody you know be like well i'm not going to punch you in the face but by god somebody's getting punched in the face (laughs) right well (laughs) the other thing that happens here too is that Greg and these Christians are just assuming that no other worldview has a way to deal with people doing bad things, right? It's like Christianity has the only answer for making justice happen in the world if you assume that justice is a good thing. Right. Uh, I think we skipped this part of the clip, but earlier when when they were setting up this situation, the way that this conversation came about is the Jewish man said, why do I need Jesus? I'm Jewish. I do right things. Why do I need Jesus, right? That was the actual question being posed. Greg has an answer to that question, because in Judaism, there are mechanisms for dealing with sin, just like there are mechanisms in Christianity and other religions. And so like how exactly that plays out depends on you know what strain of Judaism you you follow. It's a varied religion, just like most religions. But the point is like, it's not like they're like, we've got sin, we have no idea what to do. Oh well, guess we're all <laughs> going to hell. Oh man, Christian, thanks so much for enlightening us, you know. <laughs> It, it, it's, it's almost been like sitting this whole time like yeah, it's yeah. almost like white savior complex yeah <laughs> ah, these silly old jews can't figure out their own bible you know <laughs> so oh. it, 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 here's another problem it's not just that greg is setting up his audience for failure he's you know encouraging them to ignore the thoughts and opinions of the person that they're talking to he's encouraging them to ignore any complications or to dig deeper and get, come to a better uh, understanding of their own beliefs He's also setting them up to completely miss the point of the entire conversation. Like, if you have this script and a person is saying something even adjacent to it, there's a good chance if you don't actually have a good understanding of the situation, you're just going to go to the script, even if it's not applicable. If you got a hammer, every problem's a nail. Right? Every problem's a nail. Yeah, exactly. And that's why Jesus is the only way. He's the only one who solved the problem. Well, okay. Well, I forgot, Jordan. Uh, there's only one solution to this problem, right? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Just forget everything I just said about other religions. You're right. It, well, obviously, yeah. the o- the only way was to have Jesus come down and be brutally murdered in order to solve the problem, because that's how we forgive things, right? I know I have never forgiven someone without, you know, torturing someone else to death. I mean, <laughs> right? Just me? Oh, my gosh. No. <laughs> no. I'm sure there's a couple of people, actually. It's not just you. but <laughs> uh, And also, like, okay. So the problem we were supposed to be addressing is why do we need Jesus, right? And it's because we've got the sin problem and we're under judgment and the judge is like, hey, do you want to be pardoned? Well, like, okay, if we've got this pardon coming out, why do I need Jesus to die at all? But let's say you do. Okay, well, then why does that need something for me? Like, I thought the sin was paid for. Is it paid for or not? You know, right. And I understand that there are answers to these questions in Christian theology. I'm not trying to say that there is no answer that a Christian could give. I'm saying that Greg is not equipping anyone to have these answers. Right. And he's not even and, and I know Greg has other videos, but at least in the context of this video, he is selling this as if here's how you answer it. Here's the answer to the question. 
right? The question that, yeah. And the other thing about this is <clears throat> the person asking you the question obviously has a concept of hell and sin in Jesus. So they've already been exposed to all of this pri- previous to this conversation. And yet all of a sudden in this one little simple three-step process, you're going to get them to realize they're a sinner and they need Jesus. Like that works. Yeah. I I would be extremely skeptical if this approach has ever worked. Like is okay. That's that's being a little bit absolutist. I'm sure it's worked at some point, but like if yeah. I just had a statistical distribution of its efficacy, I don't think that it would be very high in this distribution, right? Like, well, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Although when I was a Christian, um, I was taught a very similar way to present the gospel to this. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the the Romans roads where you walk somebody through the passages in Romans where this is all for sin to fall short of the glory of God, blah, blah, blah. And like, and then Jesus is the only answer. Um, now that is a way to present the gospel. Now, most of the time you're doing that without actually getting the question about people going to hell. So, but it's the same thing over and over, right? It's more of a unprompted alter call yeah. sort of situation. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, in the context where someone has posed this question to you, like Deepak Chopra did, you know, where he says like, well, do you think that anyone who disagrees with you is going to hell? That's the question. Is a person who's going to ask that someone, like you said, they've already thought of these things that they already, uh, they already have yeah. heard the pitch. I guarantee you, nobody is coming up to you saying, Hey Christian, how come you think everybody who doesn't believe with you is going to hell without having uh, any concept of the whole Jesus spiel? Like right. they've already got that. You're going to need to do something different than just say you're a sinner, you know? Right. And the other thing too, could you imagine a conversation with Greg and Deepak and all of a sudden at the end of it, Deepak's like, Oh my gosh. I'm a sinner. Like, no, that's oh. not going to happen. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Oh, you're so right. Why didn't I think of that? Oh man, I had all day to prepare for this and it didn't even consider that I might have been a sinner. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. No, this doesn't work ever. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, okay. So, so that's, that's the, the answer to the question uh, as much as it was. And obviously it wasn't very good. So no. uh, how, how should we do this better? Let, let's, let's be the instructor that Greg Coco will not be. Mm. Well, one thing I would say to start off is <clears throat> don't be afraid to have a conversation with somebody. Don't be afraid to have your beliefs out there and tell people what they are. If they're your beliefs, own them. Like, right? right. Like, I, <laughs> and like you kind of alluded to earlier, while I do think it's kind of gross, the idea of substitutionary atonement, the idea of um, eternal conscious torment, like I do think that these ideas are very problematic. I have more respect for someone who's like, "Yep, you're going to hell." Hey, man! At, at least, hey. at least you own it, right? Tell at me least more you about have, that. Yeah. yeah why? Why am have, I going to hell? Yeah. At least you have no problem telling me. Whereas someone's like, eh, "I mean, kind of." Hold on, yeah. I got a one second. I got a book here. Oh, step yeah. one: bypass yeah. the objection. Okay, I've sidestepped. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, step one would probably be if you have a belief that you're ashamed of holding or are like are very reluctant to explain why in a conversation that I mean, a, a, you not that you owe an explanation of your beliefs to anybody mm-hmm. if you don't want to. But in, sure. in the context of the conversation, it's this is a conversation you're supposed to be trying to have. Right. Right. So like if you're afraid to say honestly what you believe, maybe you should. You know. Take that as a hint. And, no. <laughs> yeah. That Take little tingly feeling and that little cricket on your shoulder saying, hey, this isn't a good thing. Like, yeah. 
Yeah. Maybe Take a pause. Listen, listen yeah. to those moral intuitions. But okay. Well, let's so, let's assume that you you're still going to hold this belief, okay? But you're just maybe not sure the right way right. to talk about it. You know. Yeah. So the the first first step, like you said, is be willing to have a conversation, ask questions, do that, take that from Greg's uh, instructions, but do not ask them with the goal of forcing or manipulating someone into giving you the answer you want. Correct. Yeah, you're going to want to make sure, open-ended questions, truly see what the other person says, and have a conversation based on that. You You can still have a goal in mind, right? You ask a question in order to get an answer, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay to have a goal. You have a point you want to make. That's fine. But the reason you're asking this question is to honestly see what the other person says. And critically, you need to be open to what they said and be willing to be convinced if they have a good argument, you know? Like it should be a two-way flow of information. In an ideal conversation, you would both go away with something, questions that you need to think on more, right? Yeah. Also, uh, don't expect every conversation is going to get to the point, like like the end goal in one go. You know, Greg's setting this up like you're going to start with someone who's like very aggressive and like, you know, like in that interview, do you think everyone's going to hell? And you're going to end with them like in tears, saying the you know the sinner's prayer, the sinner's that's, prayer. Not, that's not gonna happen not gonna you know yeah right that's not gonna yeah. happen so don't practice for that don't don't set yourself up for that instead just start f- probe to find those areas of disagreement and then pick one like you know do you think that people who are guilty of bad things or whatever should be punished no okay let's talk about that and that can be enough for one conversation. Yeah, one conversation. Just talk about that alone and come back the next one, next time and talk about the right. next step, right? I find this tactic to be extremely sleazeball. And if somebody actually did this to me in person, I would know right away, like, they're, they're scripting this and they don't care what I have to say, you know? That's, that's another really good point is that people can tell when you're not actually genuinely interested in, com- in having a conversation when you're just trying to pitch a script to them. People can pick up on that and they don't like it. No. <laughs> There's very few people who are like, yes, please tell me the scripted answer that you like. No, nobody wants that. They, if they're engaging with you, it's because they want to talk to you as a human being, right? So do that. You know, you're just going to turn them off. You're going you're gonna to ruin any hope you might have had of convincing them or even not convincing them, but just like putting uh, that pebble in their shoe is the common phrase or, you know, planting that seed. That seed's not going to sprout if you started by disregarding their humanity and telling them you don't care about their opinions through your actions. Exactly. And to give somebody, let's say you're a Christian out there and you want an answer and somebody asks you this question, how about start with this? Yes, I do believe that you're going to go to hell if you don't believe the way that I believe. And I care about you and I want to make sure, you know, that you understand the the consequences of your beliefs. And let me, let's talk about that. Let's have a conversation. Was that hard to do? Like, does I sound I mean, like an asshole when I say that? I mean, kind of, but. A little, but I mean, it could have been worse, you know, yeah. and at least you're being honest, you know. Right. So. so. Oh. TLDR, actually have conversations with people, treat them like human beings and just, you know. Be cool. Just be cool. Just be cool. Yeah. Be cool, honey bunny. Yeah. All right. (laughs) (laughs) So that's our episode today. Kind of shorter one, which is fine. Hopefully uh, Christians who might be watching can take this and learn better how to talk to atheists. And atheists, you know, the same kind of points work in reverse. You know, atheists also have scripts that they have. They've 
you know, heard from Matt Delahunty or Christopher Hitchens or whoever. If you heard it from Christopher Hitchens, don't try it. He's way more eloquent. Was you're going to sound than you horrible. Were. You're going to sound yeah. like an idiot. Don't even attempt it. Just that's like expert level. You know, don't do, don't go there. Yeah. But just just anybody who, if you're having this conversation with someone, even an atheist can do these same things because, believe it or not, atheists can also have something valuable to to learn from religious people. They we don't have a monopoly on good ideas. So you know, and if you're wrong. You're only going to find out if you talk to people who disagree with you. Yep. And if I am going to go to hell, I think I want to know that. So, you know. I would like to know. I, yeah, would, I would like, like to like know to... so I could at least have the option of doing something else. Right. As so. as a bonus, uh, since <laughs> hell's coming up, this is a question I get asked all the time. And I think we might have talked about it earlier, but it's been a while. So if you found out that hell was real, that the Christian God was real and all that, obviously you'd stop being an atheist. But would you become a Christian? Would you bend the knee? All right. So, A, if hell is the actual fire torment place that they talk about, and B, the only way that I don't go there is becoming a Christian, yes. (laughs) So, I'm kind of torn on this because, so it depends really on like what Christian God I've been convinced exists. Right. Right. So, if it is hell is eternal conscious torment, on the one hand, like you said, I really don't want to go to hell. On the other hand, you know what? Screw that guy. Like, I would like to think that I would have the spine yeah. to like to, to to jump into hell, you know, flicking off God on the way down. <laughs> I don't. I think I would like to think that too. But if gun to my head and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's the pit right there. Yeah. You know what? On second thought. um... (laughs) (laughs) But here's the thing that won't even work because he'll know that you're only doing it. Right. Well, if that's the case, then I'm screwed anyways. Right. So fuck it. Hell it is. (laughs) But on the other hand, if the God I've been convinced of is a loving, charitable God, like the God that some Christians tell us exists, then I would say hell is probably not even on the table in that case anyway. But if that's the case, if there is truly a benevolent, omnipotent God, benevolent being the very key point here. Key point. Yeah. No problem, but I'd have to yeah. be convinced of that. Right. Yeah, and hell has to be in play because if it is just internal separation and like that's it, I'm just separated and like there's nothing else. Like I don't okay. care. Like yeah, cool. You mean I can go play Xbox <laughs> for all eternity? Awesome. Let's go. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so well, uh, so we made it this far in the video. Um, we do have a fallacy of the day today, and that fallacy of the day it's a bonus, but it's the appeal to hypocrisy fallacy. So. Also known as the tu quo que fallacy, if you prefer a little Latin. Mm, a little fancy, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which means, I think it means something like you too. Uh, but basically, the tu quo que fallacy, or the fa- appeal to hypocrisy, is an answer to an argument you've got. It's not really answering the argument, though. It's a way to deflect or sidestep the issue by accusing the other person of hypocrisy related to the argument, basically doing the thing that they say you shouldn't do or something like that. Yeah. And therefore that, that thing is, it's false. Like it's right. Yeah. So for example, if you told me that, uh, you know, Hey, eating pizza, it's not healthy for you. Right. And I might say, I saw you eat pizza last week. You hypocritical jerk. <laughs> like, yeah. That may be true. That doesn't mean that yeah. eating pizza is not healthy. You know? yeah. yeah, exactly. So yeah. it's a simple one. Um, it doesn't get used that often, actually, um, that I see, but every once in a while. I see it occasionally. It's usually, I don't think it's um, 
I don't think people intend it so much to answer the question. It's more to like point out, like, how dare you hold hold this position? Right. It's kind of assuming that the person is is um, accepting all the consequences of the position they hold. Like, I could be. Ar- I'm drinking beer. Beer is not good for me. I'd be the first to tell you that drinking this beer isn't good for me. Doesn't mean I'm not going to drink it. You know. Therefore, <laughs> beer is good. <laughs> I'm doing it even knowing that it's not good for yeah. me. That's part of the decision. But I think yeah. people do this because you know nobody likes a hypocrite, and so it, it is a it is a valuable rhetorical device. If you don't care about truth, uh, it's a rhetorical device to undermine the credibility of your interlocutor. But we should yeah, care about it, truth. It's almost like an ad hominem attack or something, but it's kind of weird. It, so. It's kind of it's, it's almost yeah, kind of related. Uh, yeah. Now, one distinguishing factor, though, I've gotten uh, I've seen it used improperly. Mm. when if you've got uh, some competing hypotheses, say, you know, model A, model B, whatever, you know, atheism and theism, whatever, pick your opposing views. And they say, well, what about this problem in your model, right? Or in, in your hypothesis, you've got this shortcoming. I could point out, well, that may be true, but it's also the same for you. Like we both have the shortcoming and that, and by doing that, I am not saying I don't have that shortcoming. I'm not saying that we shouldn't worry about it or whatever. I'm saying if we're comparing the value of these two competing hypotheses, then the, because they both have the same issue, that's not a distinguishing factor. So it, right. it doesn't inform our decision as to whether or not which one, which one's more true. Yeah. So uh, critically you can't, you can't say, well, you're, you have that problem too does not mean that I don't have that problem, but it may mean we may want to set that problem aside so we can look at more interesting comparisons. Well, speaking of comparisons, we should compare this video to all our other videos. So if you you haven't seen all other videos, you should go and watch all of them so you can compare them all and then come back, like subscribe and do all that stuff. Well, like, and subscribe first, Uh, comment on each and every one with your rating and it's very important that you do every single one this is for science we need to get a good sample size and if you don't do it for every single video then you know there's always the possibility that if you'd just gone one more you know it would have been better so just it would have been better so yeah Yeah. uh anyways uh also i did want to address real quick right here at the end since uh most people left anyway uh i did get some i guess i was going to say slander but they were written so i guess libelous libelous uh, accusations of having an agenda because I wear this rainbow bow tie. Uh, I wanted to, I I think they were implying that I support the gay agenda by wearing this bow tie. Uh, So I just wanted to lay this to rest just once and for all. If you think I have an agenda because I wear this bow tie, you're absolutely right. That's why I wear the bow tie. So good job. (laughs) Apparently me, us making episodes about how gender is not binary and racism is totally real, you guys. And the cops are pretty terrible. I guess that was too subtle. The bow tie (laughs) did it. I don't know. (laughs) Well. Anyways, just wanted to clear the air. So thanks for showing up. Thanks for listening. Uh, And remember, till next time, you've always got reason to doubt. Peace out.